What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Miller. So this episode is going to be a big NBA update. I'm going to talk about Zach Levine to start the episode, then I'm going to move on to the Clippers, talk about Draymond Green's suspension, Giannis Antetokounmpo's altercation with Indiana, and then I'll also talk about Terry Rogier at the end of the episode, who I think is the most underrated player in the NBA this season. Just a great talent overall and doesn't get the recognition he deserves, so I'm going to talk about him at the end of the episode. So we'll start off with Zach Levine who is set to miss another three or four weeks with right foot inflammation. It's become clear that Chicago wants to move on from him and he wants out of Chicago. So they're going to end up trading him at some point. So I put two trade packages together over the last day. So let me know what you guys think. I have the Bulls and the Heat in this trade. The Bulls are getting Kyle Lowry, Caleb Martin, Nikola Jovic. All three of those players add up to $38.8 million in yearly salary. With a 2027 first-round pick and a 2029 first-round pick. And then the Heat get Zach Levine, who is making $40.1 million in this trade. The Heat are really gearing up offensively. Having Zach Levine, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero would be a tough offense to cover. As for what the Bulls are getting in return, two first-round picks, a young player in Nikola Jovic, a solid player in Caleb Martin, and then also Kyle Lowry just as a guy to fill the salary here in the trade to make it work. The other trade proposal I made was with the Warriors. The Bulls would be getting Clay Thompson, Moses Moody, a first-round pick in 2026, and a first-round pick in 2028. And then in return, the Warriors would get Zach Levine, who would be interesting to see with Steph Curry on offense. I'm not sure if that offense would really work with Steph Curry and Zach Levine in the same backcourt. It could be similar to like the DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine together, where they both want to take the same amount of shots per game, and it's a lot of competition to get shots up. But Zach Levine is definitely talented, so in this trade, they're obviously gearing up offensively. And then in return, the Bulls will be getting a young Clay Moses Moody, two first-round picks, and Clay Thompson. So next up, I'm going to move on and talk about the Clippers, who are rising up the ranks of the NBA. Now 14-10 overall on the season, and 11-3 in the last 14 games. Six wins in a row for the Clippers. They are red-hot heading into tonight's game against the New York Knicks. Can't believe that everybody tried to write this Clippers team off after a slow start to the James Harden era. They were 0-5 with Harden on the court, 0-6 since the Harden trade went down in the first six games. And now they're playing the best basketball in the West. Six wins in a row, and they've had everyone fully healthy except one game Paul George missed a couple nights ago against Golden State now. But they've beaten a lot of good teams over the stretch. Golden State twice, which they're not having as great of a start of the season as you'd expect, but still obviously a talented team and have given the Clippers trouble in the past. They've beaten Dallas, who's had a great start to the season, the Nuggets, who are the reigning champs, and the Sacramento Kings twice. This six-game stretch with the Clippers was not easy at all. That's not an easy six games. Two versus Golden State, two versus Sacramento, against Dallas and against the Nuggets. That's not an easy six-game stretch. Not an easy six-game stretch at all, but the Clippers found a way to win six in a row there. And that's why I said they're playing the best basketball in the West right now. Before that game against Golden State a couple nights ago now on Thursday night, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George did not miss a game the entire season. Which completely shut down the load management and injury narratives around these two guys that have been around them their entire careers. Paul George did miss Thursday night's game with a sore hip. We'll see if he plays in tonight's game. I expect him to miss that game on Thursday night considering the Clippers won five in a row heading into that game on Thursday. They were in great momentum. It's not like we were desperate for a win at the end of the season and we needed everybody to play to try to make the playoffs. They weren't going to push with Paul George considering it's so early in the season. So I understood why they sat him. I think they'll probably sit him again tonight would be my guess. We'll see what happens there. But I'd always love to see Paul George play. Obviously, I want him on the court. But at the same time, I don't want to see the Clippers push him through an injury and have him miss an extended period of time because he played through an injury. That wouldn't make much sense, especially this early in the season. But we'll see what happens. I mean, I think the Clippers can beat the Knicks even without Paul George in the lineup. With that being said... The Knicks are coming off a huge win from last night over the Phoenix Suns. 50 points from Jalen Brunson. He was 9 for 9 from 3, which is just ridiculous of a stat. 9 for 9 from 3 in that game. They won 139 to 122 over the Phoenix Suns. They outscored Phoenix 
42 to 23 in the fourth quarter. Jalen Brunson, 50 points, six rebounds, nine assists, five steals, 17 to 23 from the floor, and nine of nine from the three point line. As for the Suns, they are now 0-2 in the Big 3 era with all three of the guys playing in the lineup. They've lost two straight now with Booker, Durant, and Bradley Beal all in the lineup. Bradley Beal only played four minutes last night before getting hurt. He was 2-2 two two from the floor, though, before going down. He had six points and an assist. Devin Booker had a good game, 28 points, nine assists, and two rebounds. Was not great shooting the ball, though, 11 of 26. Kevin Durant, 29 points, three rebounds, six assists, 10 of 21 from the floor, four of nine from three. Tough night for Phoenix, though. Now they are 0-2 in the era of their Big 3. But at the same time, it's going to take some time for them to gel. Now with Bradley Beal getting hurt, we'll see how long he is out for if he were to miss more games. That obviously would be a big hit to their offense. But if you look at that team, though, it's going to take time for them to gel, especially offensively. I mean, they have three guys that could shoot the ball and score. Bradley Beal probably ends up being the third option on that team. He's probably the first or second options on most teams in the NBA, even if he's struggled to stay healthy over the last two or three years. But that team's going to take some time to gel, just like the Clippers did. I thought the Knicks would win that game last night for one reason. The Knicks played the Clippers at the beginning of the James Harden era when the Clippers didn't have chemistry, and they beat them. Last night, the Knicks were underdogs against the big three for the Phoenix Suns, all healthy, and I thought the Knicks would win that game because they're good defensively, and they find ways to win games. They're 14-10 on the season. Even with Mitchell Robinson out, they've got stepping up, and like you saw, Jalen Brunson, 50 points and 99 from three. I mean, that's just a ridiculous night. So I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there, but as I said, the Knicks did have a big win last night, so it's a back-to-back for them. The Clippers did have a game on Thursday night, and then an off night on Friday, so hopefully they're well-rested for tonight's game. We'll see if Paul George plays. I'm hoping he does, but if he doesn't, that means more minutes for Amir Coffey, and I'm hoping Bones Highland gets more minutes at some point. Before that game on Thursday night, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George didn't miss a game all season, like I said, which is very impressive. That really shut down all the narratives about them wanting to miss games, them wanting to sit out, them wanting to load manage in their injuries. That shut down all those narratives. Both of those guys have played in every single back-to-back this season. Every single one of them. Every single back-to-back. And then also Paul George has been in every single game but one. So they've only missed one game between the two of them this season in the first 24 games. Which you'll take that always. It's great to see the Clippers healthy. And if this team can continue to stay healthy, they'll win in the NBA Finals in my eyes. There's just a different aura around this team than in years past. A different aura completely. They're clicking on offense, clicking on defense, and just the whole mojo around the team is just championship level right now. It really is. They start games cold. Go on eight to ten out runs, take all the momentum back, and then make plays on defense and offense, make plays in transition. I mean, this Clippers team is very dangerous. They're a team to be afraid of for teams in the West. Teams should be afraid of this Clippers team. Because this is what we knew they were capable of with James Harden. Or at least I knew they were capable of. I know not everyone was a big fan of the James Harden trade. A lot of Clippers fans wanted to keep a couple of those guys that we traded, like Nicholas Batum and Robert Covington, which I wish we kept Robert Covington as well and traded Norm Powell instead. But Powell's been balling. So at the end of the day, we'll see how things work out. But if the Clippers win an NBA Finals through that trade, I'm not going to complain one bit. And honestly, just the way things are going right now, just being able to see this Clippers team win games, it's just been a fun team to watch. It really has been. It gives you something to look forward to every single weeknight that they're on. Every single night during the week, I'm saying, okay, we have two more days till the Clippers play. One more day till the Clippers play. Oh, the Clippers play tonight. That's something to look forward to. And in years past, when the Clippers are struggling with injuries or on cold stretches like last season or even in the James Harden era at 0-6 in the first six games, that can be tough to look forward to games. But with this Clippers team right now, I've looked forward to every single game over the last two, three weeks. And I'm never going to miss a game on purpose. I've watched every single game this season, but the Clippers' Saturday night win at the end of November against Dallas. That was the only game I missed this season. So I've been locked into every single game. And honestly, this team is just a fun team to watch. 
They're 11-3 in the last 14 games. 11-3 in the Daniel Tyser, I should add. He's been a great addition as a backup big. Under-the-radar acquisition for the Clippers. I'd say probably one of their best over the last couple seasons. Besides getting Bones Highland for two second-round picks, getting Daniel Tyser free is an unreal trade, considering what he means to this team. I mean, just having a backup big that can play in the second unit and give Avica Zubat some time on the bench, that's obviously huge. That's obviously huge. He's been great overall this season for the Clippers. And it's also made things easier on Zoo, since there's less pressure on him on a nightly basis, minutes-wise and obviously defensively as well in the paint. Zoo in his last 13 games before Thursday night, since I did some of these stats before Thursday night's game, and now some of them I haven't changed. A couple of them I have, so I'll be specific about which ones I didn't change. So this Zoo one is from before the game against Golden State Thursday night, but in his last 13 games heading into that game, he was averaging 13.3 points per game in that 13-game stretch, 9.5 rebounds, 1.3 blocks, 66% shooting from the floor, but only 53% from the free throw line. That's something he has to be better at, but he has been good this season, too, especially defensively. He had a great game a couple weeks ago against Nikola Jokic. A great game. Forced a career high in misses of Nikola Jokic, which isn't going to happen often. I've never seen Nikola Jokic look that off. I thought he might have been even sick in that game, since Nikola Jokic doesn't miss that many shots around the rim. But credit to Zoo at the same time. He's been great defensively this season. So happy to see him doing good things, obviously. And even though his hands aren't great, loses a lot of rebounds and obviously a lot of passes from Russell Westbrook that come in pretty hot to him. He drops it a lot of the time. He doesn't have the best hands. But he's been playing better overall, so I can't really complain too much about his play. As a Paul George, hopefully he plays in tonight's game. He did miss the second half against Sacramento earlier in the week. I believe that was on Tuesday night. But supposedly it was precautionary, the reason why he missed that second half. It was a blowout game, and there was no need to play through a sore groin, especially in a back-to-back. I'd imagine he probably even sits out tonight as well just to play it safe. That would be a second game missed in a row. The Clippers have been winning games 11-3 in the last 14 matches. There's no urgency since there is so much season left, and they've already turned things around. I think it would be just best just for them to sit him and maybe let Bones Highland get more minutes. That kid deserves to play more. Just too much talent, and he's an absolute bucket. Hopefully he gets more minutes at some point in this Clippers rotation. So the Clippers have turned things around, as I said. They had a close win against Portland on Monday night. That was a normal Clippers game where they're playing a team that they should blow up by 15 to 20 points and ends up being right down to the wire, nail-biter, but they end up winning the game. Then they blew out Sacramento on Tuesday night. It's tough to play three games in four days, playing Portland, Sacramento, and then Golden State three games in four days. But the Clippers found a way to work around their tough scheduling, which that's something they're used to. They've been getting screwed with four games in five days every year now, it seems like, over the last three or four years. But with their own arena coming soon, that should definitely change. They'll be able to obviously have home games whenever they want it. They don't have to share it with the Lakers, obviously, when they get their own arena. So that'll definitely help the Clippers be able to have some more time to relax during the season. Being a team that has guys that are already up there in age towards the tail end of their careers. I mean, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Russ Westbrook, James Harden probably have, I don't know, three, four, five years left in the NBA. They've obviously all been in the NBA for double-digit years. They're obviously getting a little bit older, so playing four games in five days just about every other week, it seems like, which I could be wrong on that, but it seems like every single other week the Clips are playing a tough stretch of games. But with their new arena, that should definitely change, which will be nice, obviously, to see. As for their blowout win against Sacramento, they won that game 119-99. to I believe they were most up at one point by 31. Kawhi Leonard continued to stay hot in that run with a dominant performance. 31 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists with a steal and a block. Just always gets to a spot and finds a way to get a shot off. Really has been one of the best players in the NBA over the last couple weeks. Just been incredible to watch. And the Clippers need this Kawhi Leonard if they want to win the NBA Finals. And then James Harden in that game. 15 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists with 2 steals. And this is in the Sacramento game on Tuesday night. His defense has been a lot better than advertised. 
And being able to have all three or all four of the big four out there at once is tough to stop. And I know they've kind of taken less minutes now with Russell Westbrook and James Hodden out there. They've lessened those minutes with both of those guys in the court at the same time, but they've still got some minutes over the last couple of games together and had a big dunk on Thursday night against Golden State, which those two guys have a lot of chemistry. They played together in Oklahoma City. They played together in Houston. They've obviously had a lot of time to get chemistry down and know where Russell Westbrook likes to get alley-oops from, where James Hodden wants to shoot from, whatever it may be, kick and drives. I mean, these guys gut it down, and obviously the chemistry just playing for years, that comes with it. When you play so many games together, you just know the ins and outs of what every single player likes, especially your teammates, uh, when you're in the same locker room as them and they can tell you you know, where they want to shoot the ball from or whatever it may be. But Kawhi Leonard, James Hodden, both have been great. And when James Hodden or Russ drive down the lane, it's really tough to stop them because they can kick it out to Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, and then there's a swing pass across the court from whether it's Kawhi or Paul George to the other one, and they're wide open for a shot. And it's been beautiful like I said it would be. I said right around the time the Clips are 0-5 or 0-6 in the first six games since the trade went down, I said it's going to come together and it's going to be beautiful. I said I didn't have a timestamp on it, just like former Boston College football head coach Steve Adazio said. He said it's going to come together and it's going to be beautiful. And he was right at the end of the day. And I said that would be the case with this Clippers team. And here's the speech here from Steve Adazio back in 2017, which after this speech, the BC football team in 2017 won five of their last six games and had a big bowl game. Here's Steve Adazio talking about that team right before they went on a big win streak. And, uh, and I love them. And I love their work ethic. And I love the way they handle it. And I love the fact that they believe in each other. Okay? I love all that. I've been around this business long enough, fellas. Okay? At every level. And I've seen it a long time. It'll come together. And it'll be beautiful. You can write that one down. Okay? I don't have the time clock on it right here. But it'll come together, and it'll be beautiful, all right? And the investment is worth it. So I'm excited about the investment. Just keep rolling. Thanks, Steve. Yep. So like I said at the beginning of the James Harden era, I quoted Steve Adazio and said, it'll come together and it'll be beautiful. That's a case with this Clippers team. That's a case with this Clippers team. Just playing absolutely flawless basketball right now. And even with cold stretches to begin games, they find ways to go on 8-2, to 10-5 runs to get back in the game. And then they find ways just to put teams away. Like Sacramento on Tuesday night just completely put them away. They were up by 30 at one point with all the starters out there. Just completely put that team away. So credit to the big four, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. They didn't let that 0-6 start really frustrate them. They figured things out, got the chemistry down like I thought they would. And I said it'd be beautiful. And here we are, 11-3 in the last 14 games. And the Clippers continue to climb in the NBA ranks. They continue to climb. Kobe Brown's been improving in the game of Tuesday night. 7.6 rebounds in a block. Terrence Mann is starting to get some shots to fall, which I was never too worried about, even though he did start the year very cold, which I thought it could have been maybe in his head at the beginning of the season when you're missing a lot of shots, especially from three. It gets in your head a little bit, and you start saying, oh, I'm 0 for 4, I'm 0 for 5, I'm 0 for 6. You can't really think about it. You just got to go out there and shoot. In his first 14 games of the season, he was shooting 17% from three. In his previous three games heading into Thursday night, he was 5 for 12 from three, shooting 42%. With 9.7 points per game, 4 rebounds, and 2.3 assists. Playing a lot better basketball over the last week or so. Which he did struggle from 3 in that game on Thursday night against Golden State. But he still makes plays with his great basketball IQ. Had a very good few offensive defensive possessions in a row. It definitely adds a lot of hustle and obviously a lot of energy to that Clippers team. And like I said, a great basketball IQ. One guy that got some minutes in that game on Tuesday night was Bones Highland. 
which the game was a blowout on Tuesday. That's why you got to play. But he was 2 of 4 from 3, 2 of 8 from the floor with 6 points, an assist, and a rebound. He was tacking the rim, but was definitely forcing some tough shots. Took a couple fadeaway threes that were tough shots. Then even had a couple tough layups where he's trying to do like a side reverse, which was a tough shot to do with his like back to the hoop and just try to throw the ball behind his head. He almost finished one of them, which would have been a ridiculous play. Uh, but it seems like he was just trying to do some crazy things out there. Maybe he's frustrated with not getting many minutes. So he's probably just out there saying, screw it. We're up 20 points. I can mess around. But hopefully he gets more minutes at some point. Bones Highland deserves to be getting minutes on a nightly basis. With his talent and his ability to give you 15 points per game any given night, he deserves to be playing. And I think if he got starting minutes, I think he could average 20 points a game. And that's why I'm just very disappointed to see him on the bench night in and night out. After that win on Thursday night, the Clippers beat Golden State in that one, 121-113. The Clippers' recipe to start the game, for the most part, seems to just stock holds and then turn things up by the end of the first quarter into the second quarter, which they were down 7 or 8 in the first three minutes of this game against Golden State, had three turnovers in a row to begin the game, were down, I think, 7 to nothing or 8 to nothing. Klay Thompson had the first eight points of the game, but really struggling heading into this game. And then the Clippers woke up. Three offensive turnovers in a row, down 8 nothing, and then they woke up. And they couldn't have started that game any worse. So it was really just up from there, from that rock-bottom start. And then they turned things around and found a way to win, which I can't really be disappointed in them. If they start the game cold, but they find a way to win and find a way to at least come back in the game when you're down 8, 10 points in the first quarter, that's all you can really ask for. Because if they have a, they have a shot late in a game, I like their chances to win, especially considering how lethal their offense has been and how lethal their offense can be. We know this team is capable of winning the NBA Finals. And if you don't believe that, watch one of their games. Over the last 14 games... This Clippers team has been balling out. And I know the narrative when they were 0-6 to start their James Harden era, everyone was loving it, saying this team's never going to work, and the James Harden trade was a mistake, which fans are always going to flip-flop game in and game out. If James Harden has a bad game today against the New York Knicks, tonight at 10.30, I'm sure fans are going to say the Harden trade was a mistake just because of one game. That's just how fans are. Very wishy-washy, and they flip back and forth. Fickle is probably the best word to describe fans. Best word to describe fans. Week in and week out, they make different opinions on players and teams, especially in the NFL. You can love a player one week after one bad game, everybody's against them. And that's just the way it is, obviously, in basketball and sports in general. So if James Harden would have a bad game tonight, I'm sure people would start saying the trade was a mistake. But that's not the case. I still believe in this Clippers team like I did when they were 0-6. And now with them being 11-3, it's a lot easier to say you believe in them. But I believed in them even back then. I knew they'd figure things out. There was too much talent on that Clippers team to struggle and continue to lose games. 0-6 wasn't the whole season. It wasn't like they were 3-15 and in the first 18 games of James Harden. That wasn't the case. And now you see what this team was capable of when they were struggling. When they finally put chemistry and everything together and figured out the rotations, this is what this team's capable of. Beating teams like Denver, Golden State, Sacramento, and Dallas on a nightly basis. And this is obviously the beginning of the season. There's still a long way to go. But this Clippers team right now, watch out for them. I still believe they're going to win the NBA Finals. I really do. James Harden in that game on Thursday night, 28 points, 7 rebounds, 15 assists, 5 or 6 shooting from 3, a steal and 4 blocks. His best game for the Clippers, obviously, if you look at the points, 28 points is a lot. That was a season high for him, but also defensively, 4 blocks, shooting 5 or 6 from 3 was great. Even at 15 assists as well, his playmaking has been great in this offense. And he's been much better on defense than ever talked about him. He's not getting the recognition he deserves on the defensive end right now. Getting his hands in passing lanes, getting steals, four blocks is very impressive. 
He's obviously hustling. And when you have guys like Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, Paul George that play hard possession after possession around you, it makes you a better player and it makes you play harder. And obviously you see that with James Harden right now. And in that game on Thursday night, he found Russell Westbrook for a great highlight dunk, which was reminiscent of their Houston days together. Great highlight reel dunk where James Harden drove down the lane, lobbed it right over the rim to Russell Westbrook, who was driving from the baseline. Ends up being a great highlight reel dunk. And that game on Thursday night was the exact reason that the Clippers traded for James Harden. Because if there's ever a dull stretch on offense, like you're down 8-0 to start the game, or if someone gets hurt and Paul George misses the game like he did on Thursday night, James Harden creates offense, and he opens up looks for the guys around him. 15 assists, and he goes for 28 points, 4 blocks. I mean, that was an unreal night for James Harden. And that game was also the reason that I didn't panic after the Harden era started off on a wrong note. It started off, obviously, slow. Because it was so early in the season, I wasn't that worried. They needed just to find their chemistry. And like I said, there was too much talent on that team to not figure things out. After the game, James Harden had a great quote, and he said this, You don't get this far without putting the work in. Until the day I retire, every single day I'm putting the work in. Which I love to see. And like James Harden said at the beginning of the era with the Clippers, he said he wasn't in game shape yet. In the first three, four games, he was really just ramping things up and getting back to getting a feel for the game and the speed. And now you see what James Harden's capable of on any given night. He's capable of this on any given night. And even if he has a bad game, I know fans are going to say the trade was a mistake if he has one bad game, like if he were to, against a good New York Knicks defensive team tonight, which the Knicks did beat the Clippers at the beginning of the James Harden era. But it's obviously a different Clippers team right now than they were in the second or third game of the era since the trade. But if James Harden were to have a bad game, I know people are going to flip on him, but James Harden has looked really good right now. He's a big reason this team is 11-3 and in the last 14 games. And I couldn't be any happier. I really couldn't. Kawhi Leonard in that game on Thursday night, 9-16 from the floor, 2-4 from 3, 27 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, a block, and a steal. He's back to the Kawhi Leonard we knew he could be. He's been absolutely dominant on both ends. And if the Clippers want to win the NBA Finals, this is the Kawhi Leonard they have to have. Kawhi Leonard has to be the best player on the Clippers every single night if they want to win the NBA Finals. They need this every single night from Kawhi Leonard. And he's been a completely different player over the last couple weeks than he was in the first 8-10 games of the season. So when that game against Golden State, Amir Coffey got the start with Paul George missing the game, and honestly he earned himself more minutes in the rotation. People forget he averaged 13 points a game and 30 starts two years ago. He had 30 starts with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both hurt, and he was carrying the offense with Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris. Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, and Amir Coffey, they carry that offense over that 30 or 40-game stretch that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were out a couple years ago. And in that game on Thursday night, Amir Coffey was great. 18 points, 4 rebounds, an assist, and also shot 4 of 11 from 3 and 6 of 15 from the floor overall. He did get a little cold in the second half, but overall, it was great to see him shooting the ball well, driving down the lane, attacking the rim, playing some solid defense as well. He'll probably get himself some more minutes in the rotation. Maybe that means Kobe Brown probably gets less minutes, I'd imagine. I just want to see Bones Highland get more minutes at some point. I really do. I think that kid deserves 8, 10, 12 minutes at least on a nightly basis. Norman Powell brought a huge spark off the bench in that game on Thursday. Plus 20 rating, which was second best on the team. 21 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal and shot 9-13 from the floor. It's great to see a person change up the pace of the Clippers and drive down the lane. When the Clippers are playing a lot of ISO ball and shooting a lot of threes, Norman Powell is not afraid of driving down the lane. And obviously you see what he's capable of on a nightly basis. 21 points in that game on Thursday. A quite a night from Steph Curry 
who was only 3 of 13 from 3 with 17 points. Clay Thompson has best game of the season, probably 30 points, 8 of 12 from 3, 5 assists, and 2 steals. Of course, guys wake up against the Clippers, just like Julius Randle did earlier this season. It's not really a surprise as a Clippers fan. But right now, I think the vibes are the most immaculate during the entire 213 era. I'd say so far during the 213 era, which obviously there's been a lot of ups and downs, but I'd say the vibes are most immaculate right now. Momentum is going the Clippers' way. They're putting wins together. They're dominating on both ends. And they're showing the rest of the NBA what they're capable of when they're fully healthy and fully clicking. They're 6-0 in December, the only undefeated team in the month of December right now. And after that game on Thursday night, the Clippers were the only team with five more wins in the month of December. Now the Celtics got five wins in December. But very impressive to see the Clippers finally clicking. And here's a quote here from Ty Lue that I really liked after the game on Thursday night. And it's a quote about getting nervous or showing fear during a losing streak like the Clippers had at the start of the James Harden era. And he had a great response to the question. Here it is. Uh, Ty, I can't lie to you. You me look real good in the group chats. I always tell people your quotes. I tell them 10-game sample size. I always want to know, like, where did that, where did that come from? Because it doesn't ever seem like you get rattled throughout any type of adversity. I know you talked about it on all the smoke, but... I just, you know, see you as a player's coach, and you just never get rattled. Where did that come from, and when did that start for you? I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, being from Mexico, Missouri, you know, we got a lot of confidence, even though we shouldn't have, you know. Um, and that's sort of, you know, a lot of us. And just, you know, I, I just learned and just, you know, I saw a lot playing basketball. Just when, you're, when you have coaches that, you know, get nervous or they're rattled, then your players become nervous and rattled. And so you always want to be, you know, even killed. You always want to make sure that your team can, can, can vibe off of you and what you're doing. So that's why I never go crazy on the referees and officials because then your team, they want to do that. And you lose focus on what's really going on. And so, you know, I just want to instill confidence in our players, like never getting rattled, you know, and um, because when you prepare, it's hard for you to really get, you know, get rattled. You know, so whether you call the right player or not, but you know, if you worked on these plays and you worked on these things down the stretch, and um, you're prepared, you know, you really don't get rattled as much. For sure. Cool. Last one. <coughs> Coach, when you have PG diving on the floor um, I like that. <laughs> to to get it still, uh, what type of message does that send to the rest of the team when one of your leaders is that selfless? Yeah, it's huge. You know, it's huge when you, you know, it's like you said, one of your best players are diving for loose balls, but you know, with both of his shoulders, I didn't, I didn't like that dive right there, but. Um, it just shows you these, these guys want to win, you know, and so um, putting it all on the line every single night, you know, playing big minutes, playing in back-to-backs, played every game this year, um, you know, it's huge for us. And so when Kawhi, PG, um, Russ, James are leading by example like that, when they're doing things like that, all the other guys are going to follow in line. So my mistake there, it was actually after the Tuesday night win over Sacramento that clip is from, but two really great quotes there in those two questions. The first one, he mentioned adversity. It talks about how you really can't ever get too flustered when things aren't going your way. Adversity is always going to be in your way, but you've got to embrace adversity and learn from it. And all of the struggles, that's what makes success that much better. Success is that much sweeter when you have that many obstacles in your way. Because you knew and you know and you will know everything you had to get through and everything you still have to get through. And everything you will have to get through to get to where you want to. The Clippers know all three of those situations that I just mentioned. To get to the NBA Finals... They've already had to go through a lot, an 0-6 start through the James Harden era at the beginning. They're obviously going through some injuries now with Paul George, and they obviously know every team they have to go through in the West. The Clippers know, at the end of the day, if this team stays healthy, they're capable of anything. So I love that Ty Lue quote. 
Can't really ever get too frustrated and can't get ever too down when things aren't going your way. You've got to be positive always and try to stay focused. And that was a great quote from him. And then the second question about Paul George diving on the ground for loose balls in the game on Tuesday night, it just shows the type of player that Paul George is and the type of player that Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, all of those guys are leading by example. And Paul George diving on loose balls is the main reason I became a fan of the Clippers like I am today, which Paul George was a start of me being a Clippers fan since I've always been a fan of him. But I became more of a fan of him on the Clippers, and I became obviously a Clippers fan as well because of that, because of how much hustle that team showed two or three years ago when I first became a fan of them. Every single loose ball, every single rebound, they were never letting a two-on-one happen on defense. They were always getting back on defense and never quit, never gave up, down eight points with two minutes to go, down 30 in two different games a couple seasons ago, and they found a way to come back and win. The Clippers have never let adversity shut them down. They've never let adversity get in their way and say, yeah, we'll just quit. Obviously, the injuries have been in their way, and I know a lot of people like to criticize PG and Kawhi for their injuries, but it's not like they're choosing to get hurt. It's not like they're choosing to miss games. But when they're out there, you know you're getting 110% of everything they got. And that's what I love about this Clippers team. Anyway, so now I'm going to move on to talk about Draymond Green, who was just suspended indefinitely for striking use of Nurkic in the face with a right hook in Tuesday night's game between the Warriors and the Suns. Even though Draymond claimed after the game that it wasn't on purpose, that's still hard to believe when you're watching the replay. And it only took five games after returning from his first suspension of the season to get in trouble again. He put Rudy Gobert in a headlock in a game about a month ago between the Timberwolves and the Warriors. There was a skirmish between two players, Jaden McDaniels and Klay Thompson. And then Draymond Green jumped in, put Rudy Gobert in a headlock, and then was suspended for five games. And it only took five games after returning from that suspension to get in trouble again. And in this situation, he turned around and hit Yusuf Nurkic with the hook right to the face. Whether it was a smack, whether it was a punch, whatever it may be, still hit him in the face, very unnecessary. And this happens, honestly, it seems like on a weekly basis with Draymond Green. It's year after year, act after act, and because of all of the unsportsmanlike acts from him over the history of his career, the NBA had no option but to indefinitely suspend him. And I'd say it should be at least 15 games. Only a month ago, he put Gobert in a headlock for no reason. And then fast forward five games after returning from that suspension, hits another player in the face. And if you look at his history, it should be at least 15 games. It should be at least 15 games because it seems like it's a year after year thing with Draymond Green. Remember last year he stomped on DeMontis Sabonis' chest? This year putting Rudy Gobert in a headlock. Five years ago kicking Steven Adams. Also probably right around that time range poking LeBron James in the eye. It seems like it's a year after year thing with Draymond Green. He just continues to get in trouble. And he's already been ejected from three games a season. He had two techs on November 11th versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. Then he put Gobert in a headlock a week or two after that. And then just about four or five days ago now, hit Nurkic in the face, and was ejected from that game with a flagrant two foul. And I don't know if the Warriors are going to want to put up with another season of this after the season ends. Draymond Green is a big distraction. It definitely hurts the team with these technical fouls and obviously these suspensions. Not having him out there is a huge loss to this team. He's a key piece for that squad and obviously a very talented player. I mean, he's a key glue guy for that Warriors team. But he's also been a big distraction with everything that comes with them from hitting guys, to kicking guys, to putting Gobert in a headlock, Draymond Green has just been acting erratically. And obviously, it's been a problem for this Warriors team. 
And I don't think they're going to put up with it for much longer. I think this Warriors big three of Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson is ending rather soon. I'd say this season is the last time all three of these guys are together. I think Clay Thompson even has a chance of getting traded this season. And then Draymond Green, maybe after this year ends, the Warriors would trade him or something. I mean, I know he just signed an extension, I believe, this past offseason, but you can always move him. So now I'm going to move on and talk about another situation. That was Giannis Antetokounmpo's altercation with the Indiana Pacers. On Wednesday night, he had 64 points of 20 of 28 shooting, 24 of 32 at the free throw line, 14 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 steals and a block, a generational performance, a franchise high in points, one of the most dominant performances over the last 2-3 to three years in the NBA. He wanted the game ball after the game was over, but the Indiana Pacers gave that ball to their rookie, Oscar Shibway, a rookie out of the University of Kentucky, who scored his first career bucket, which he was a great player in college basketball. I was a big fan of him for the Wildcats, and he scored his first bucket in the NBA. The Pacers wanted to give him the ball. Giannis wanted that game ball because it was a career high in points and obviously a franchise record in points as well. Didn't end up getting it after the game was over, and he was visibly upset. And he charged into the Pacers' locker room, got in the face of Tyrese Halliburton, had to be restrained even a little bit by some of his teammates and people that worked for the Milwaukee Bucks. And Giannis, after the game, said he did get a ball, but it did not feel like the game ball, which we'll see how these teams act toward each other when they play in a few weeks. They do match up again, I believe, at the beginning of January or maybe the end of December. So that'll be a matchup to watch. But how I feel about the situation, I mean, both ways. You could see giving Shibwe the first basket of his career, I understand him getting a game ball. But then I understand it from Giannis's perspective as well. So it's hard to really pick a side. Could Giannis have acted differently, though? Definitely. He could have been a little bit more mature about it, maybe not caused a whole entire scene and didn't try to start a fight and wasn't in the face of Tyrese Halliburton. He could have acted a little bit more mature, I think. Obviously, it's a frustrating situation. You want the game ball since you just had a career high in points. And I'd probably side with Giannis getting that game ball. But at the same time, Giannis is probably going to have another 64-point game in his career, which you can't always guarantee that. But he's probably going to have another 64-point game in his career. So I understand why Oscar Shibway getting that game ball made sense from the Indiana Pacers as well. So now I'm going to move on and close out the episode talking about the most underrated player in the NBA, and that is Terry Rozier, whose role has increased with LaMelo Ball's absence in Charlotte. I think Terry's honestly the better player, but I know a lot of people would disagree with me on that. I think LaMelo's a good player, don't get me wrong. But having Ball as a last name in his high school days made him overhyped in my opinion. I think LaMelo Ball is overrated. A good player, but I think Terry Rozier, for the lesser price and what you get on a nightly basis, especially when LaMelo Ball isn't in the lineup, you're getting a lot out of Terry Rozier on a nightly basis. Since LaMelo has been out of the lineup, Rozier is averaging 26.1 points per game, 3.5 rebounds, 8.9 assists, 1.6 steals, 0.4 blocks, and he's also averaging just about four three-pointers made per night, shooting 48% from three with LaMelo Ball out of the lineup. And over that stretch of the last eight games, he's the Hornets' leader in points, assists, steals, and three-pointers made. And credit to StatMuse for that stat there. Terry plays until the last whistle on a nightly basis, and his hustle is A1. He never quits. He never gives up. He doesn't give up, and he's a fourth-quarter player. Heading into last night, he was averaging 8.8 points per game in the fourth quarter, which was tied for third most in the NBA. Over the last two weeks, heading into last night, he was averaging 10.7 points per game in the fourth quarter, which was third best in the NBA, behind De'Aaron Fox and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And that was heading into last night's game. A game that he scored 30 points and really turned things up in the second half, as he always does. And I really like this Hornets lineup a lot. Even though they're struggling record-wise, they do have some talent. Gordon Hayward, in his last six games heading into last night, 
was averaging 21.2 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, 5.2 assists, 1.2 steals, and shooting 46% from three. He's still a good player. I still like Gordon Hayward. And I know a lot of people get on me for being a Clippers fan. Even though I grew up a Celtics fan, I'm not a Celtics fan anymore. Which I root for them for my family's sake and my friend's sake, but I'm not a Celtics fan anymore. I'm a Clippers fan, number one. There's no other team that comes close in the NBA. But I still root for a lot of ex-Celtics, which just proves at one point I was a big Celtics fan. I was. I still root for Dennis Schroeder, still root for Kelly Olynyk, still root for Terry Rozier, still root for Aaron Neesmith, still root for Gordon Hayward. I still root for all of those ex-Celtics. Romeo Langford as well, even though never really panned out to be the player that I thought he would be. But I still root for all of those ex-Celtics because at one point I was a big Celtics fan. And I just say that just to prove to people I was a Celtics fan at one point. But I know a lot of my friends like to tease me a little bit and say I was never a Celtics fan and I never really cared for them and how can you switch up on the Celts. I was a Seas fan at one point and that just proves my case that I'm still a Terry Rozier fan, still a Gordon Hayward fan, Kelly Olenek, Aaron Neesmith, Dennis Schroeder. I still root for all those guys. I still do. And as for this segment that I want to end the episode with, Terry Rozier is the most underrated player in the NBA in my eyes. Doesn't get the recognition he deserves. And since the middle ball's been out of the lineup, he's averaging 26 points per game, 9 assists, 1.6 steals, and shooting 48% from 3 with 4 three-pointers made per night. He has been absolutely balling and isn't getting the attention he deserves. He's not getting the attention he deserves. And like I mentioned already at the beginning of this segment, I think LaMelo Ball is a good player, but I think LaMelo Ball is an overrated player at the same time. Because of his high school days, the ball last name, growing up with his two brothers playing at high school together, a big name around him. I thought he was a little bit overhyped coming into the NBA. Proved me wrong right away in the NBA was making plays before getting hurt, which injuries have been a problem for LaMelo Ball. He's a talented player, don't get me wrong. Still a good talent and a good player. But I like Terry Rozier more, and I think Terry Rozier honestly is the better player overall. I do. Even though LaMelo Ball probably has the better chance of giving you a double-double on a nightly basis, what Terry Rozier can give you on the defensive end and the hustle he brings, Terry Rozier is more my type of player. He wakes up in the fourth quarter, and that's when he turned things up. And LaMelo Ball has been good in the fourth quarter of the season in the games he played. So I'm not trying to take that back from LaMelo. I'm not trying to discredit LaMelo for playing well in the fourth quarter. But I think Terry Rozier is the most underrated player in the NBA right now. I really do. And since LaMelo Ball is overrated in my eyes, even though, as I said, he is a good player and has talent, I think Terry Rozier is a better player. That's just the way I feel. Maybe that's an overreaction. Maybe that's a little bit biased, which I'll be honest, it's a little biased because I'm a big Terry Rozier fan. I've been a fan of him since the Celtics days. But Terry Rozier is proving to you right now that he's an absolute baller. It definitely deserves more recognition than he's getting. Anyways, that'll wrap up this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.